The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. As you listen, Jose Altuve is hitting another home run. We'll talk about some of the live scores going on for tonight and maybe have some September strategies here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with fabulous Fred Zinke. Uh, we are going to be talking all things going on in the baseball world here. Uh, I'm kind of catching up in some ways in uh, form, but uh, it's been a busy time for me. But uh, Fred's on top of everything, and including, I think, are you still winning labor? No, I have fallen to oh, third no. in labor. I'd say I still have a chance, but not a great chance. And in Tout okay. Wars, I came into today tied for first. Okay. So okay. So you're still having a good year. I think my better chance to win than labor this year. Okay, very good. Uh, Jose Altuve, let's lead with him. Um, he is just on a heater of all heaters right now, a power heater at that. Uh, homered a couple times tonight. A uh, couple, or is it three even? I three, mean, I think three already. Three yeah. already. And that, you know, he missed, he's making up for lost time. He it puts him up to 15, uh, twice off Nathan Nivaldi, and then once off of Dane Dunning. Uh, and the Astros, I mean, they, it's so they're not even guaranteed a playoff spot. That's the crazy thing. But they have such an elite lineup, uh, and yet they still could miss the playoffs, given how tough the AL is to make the playoffs right now. Yeah, I mentioned that I noticed that last night their lineup had, and probably you guys does again tonight, six players with a an OPS over 800. And then some of their complementary pieces after that aren't terrible either. Um, so, yeah, this is just looks like a team that, it needs to be in the postseason. I think they find their. I think everybody believes that that no matter who crumbles out of Houston, Texas, Seattle, and Toronto, it won't be Houston. There's just too much depth in that lineup. I think their pitching would have to just completely fall apart. Um, and Altuve, yeah, if if you drafted Altuve this year, I think you're just wondering like, what if? Like the three homers mm-hmm. tonight. So he's now up to 15 home runs. He's got 13 steals. He went into yeah, tonight, he's he running was, again. Yeah, he's hitting. He went into tonight hitting 316. It's now 323. And this is his 68th game played in the season. So, you know, had had he been healthy, you could basically double all those stats, right? And you'd have someone maybe who's sitting right now around 25, 25, 30, 30, somewhere in there. Um, he's up to 63 runs scored in 68 games 
yeah, he's he's been been awesome. It's just he missed so much time that he can't have been a great pick this year. Maybe in a really right. shallow league where you could replace him with someone really good, but yeah, he just can't have been a great pick. But man, he's yeah, he's he's going to be a high pick again next year with the way he's hitting right now. So okay, let's define that. How high is he going to go? Um. Well, the steals are a little less valuable, but the batting average is really nice. He's definitely proven that, um, I, like he's definitely proven that there's no, there's not a big age related concern right now. Like he's going to be 34 early in next season. Uh, hit 300 last year. I'm going to say, I'm going to say not as high as maybe as I think. I'm going to say round four. What do you think about that? Round four because pitchers are going to get in there. Exciting young players are going to get in there. Um, so I'm going to yeah. say round four. How about this? This is an easy one. I say Ali De La Cruz goes way higher than Altuve next year, even though I'm not sure which player I would rather have on my team next year. I think that's fair because Ellie could steal 50. He could steal yeah. 70. And know. he can match Altuve in home runs, even if Altuve – but Altuve will – destroy Crush him, him in batting, batting average. average yeah the batting yeah. average could be could be a 60 or 70 point gap i think altuve probably beats him in runs scored just by getting on base a lot he's in a better Dude, lineup even he if, scored 60 runs in 67 games before tonight yeah before tonight yeah so now he's at 63 and 68 i mean and that's after 103 last year and 117 the year before so yeah. I'll, I'll be interested when i actually you know spit out projections we'll see where they come but I just get this feel that Ellie, who hasn't played well recently for the most part, um, will just be like a second round pick or something next year, just on the the hopes of what he could be. And then Altuve will just come in later. Like I say, like, like round four, Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at it, think about it this way. Um, You know, Altuve is going to be 34 next year. Um, He's going to be a, a guy that, you know, has had some slumps before he's had, he's, he's been unlucky with injuries this year. It's not like he's injury prone. He got hit by a pitch, you know, that happens. Um, but I don't know. It, it'll be, it'll be a tough call. Like, do you take Ozzy Albies or Jose Altuve next year? See, I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'll leaning. take Albies by the way. You'll take Albies. Yeah. I kind of, I don't know the, the, the year in year out consistency of Altuve until we see some regression. I don't know. That's going to be hard to, I was compare. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I was thinking Bo Bichette versus Altuve. I think I might take Altuve. Bichette's a guy who's going to drop. That's I think for sure. Here's Bichette beat Altuve. Like Altuve's almost caught Bichette and homers already. Um, yeah. So, you know, like I think Bichette, I think Altuve is just as good of a He's almost caught him and he's passed him and run scored already. That's, that's crazy. the thing that's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. It is, which is, uh, I mean, kind of bad luck on, I guess, on Bichette's part. But just yeah. looking at the list, I'm just looking at the batting average leaders, like the amount of players who can hit 300 with 30 home runs. There's a few, mm-hmm. Seeger and Freeman and Acuna, and, you know, maybe Cody Bellinger will do it this year and bets, but there's not that many. Like if you think of, if you think of Altuve as someone next year who could hit, who will hit, if you project him to hit 300 with 30 home runs, uh, I'm going to say this year, probably by the end of the year, there'll be one, two, three, four, five, five players to do that. And then you yeah. throw in that he can also steal 20 bases. So, I mean, now most of the guys who are going to hit 300 with 30 home runs, you know, have a lot of other good things in their profile too. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I think I think he's going to come out pretty high in my projections, and I think he's the kind of guy that I often end up drafting. Maybe well, for better or worse, while other people are chasing the LA De La Cruz type, <laughs> I end up with boring old Jose Altuve. And Houston's going to have a good line. And Houston's going to have a good lineup again next year. Yeah, you know they're going to be good. You know, yeah. so you got that going for you. Absolutely, yeah. I can see that yeah. there. But that tough sense. night. But I was going to say tough night in in uh, with the Texas Houston game. If you are on the pitching side and try to get Nathan Evaldi back in for his return from the IL, you mentioned before we started recording that you had Dane Dunning in a league still sitting in as a hey he'll probably still do good work out of the bullpen guy. Yeah. And Evaldi, one and a third, four earned runs, gave up two home runs. Uh, yeah. Only got one, both home runs to Altuve. Um, and reports that his velocity was down, too. And that's yeah. the thing that's even more scary. And that, yeah, in, only in pitch, like pitch, uh, like the, 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 the pitch trackers were identifying his normal four seamer as a sinker because it was, you know, it's like he was throwing a different mix of pitches, even. So he, it's almost like he kind of rushed back and is not 100%. And, which you yeah, can usually see in Texas pretty situation, poorly. right? You could see yeah. that with Texas because they're really up against it to, uh, yeah. yeah, really up against it. By the way, with Dunning, he was previously on our Rotowire site projected to start Friday at home against the A's. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming that he just, you know, with the Evaldi struggling tonight, he just got pressed into duty. So double whammy. If you, I'm sure a lot of people started him in fantasy leagues this week thinking, hey, I've got this sweet, home against the A's matchup coming on the weekend. Yep. And this then guy instead right they here. get this awful performance against Houston. And depending on how long they leave him in, if he really has to wear this, um, he may not come back out this week. Yavaldi now projects to probably start, if he does get his next start, next week at Toronto in that big series against the Blue Jays. That would be a tough call in fantasy as to whether you're going to start him after what you saw tonight. I'd say, I say you start him if you're desperate. You're sitting in sixth in your league and you need something to turn it around. You start them across yeah. your fingers. But if you're in the top three in your league, I don't think you start them next week. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a really tough sale. I mean, Texas sure. could, take the, could take the option out of your hands anyways, depending on you know their opinion of them coming out of the start and whether they feel confident they could start them next week. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. And the Astros entered tonight one game ahead of the Rangers for the second wild card. Rangers one game ahead of the or half a game ahead of the Blue Jays for the third and final wild card spot. Uh, and of course, the West is the Mariners and Astros are tied in the West. So I mean, uh, in, at least in game, Mariners are ahead by a percentage point uh, because they played two fewer games. But you know, it one of these three teams could still get knocked out, or the Blue Jays. Um, I, it's looking less likely that the Red Sox are going to intervene into this contest here. The Angels are only a half a game ahead of the Tigers now. I mean, that's how far they've dropped off the off the race there. But uh, remember, it was when they were sweeping the double. You know, the day before the trade deadline, they had that sweep of the Tigers in the yeah. doubleheader, the day night doubleheader. Otani pitched and won, and all that. Like these are the, the like, good times ahead for the Angels. They're doing the right thing, and then yeah, it's all blown yeah. up. Otani has got an oblique issue right now, um, not playing. I mean, he's still locked up the AL MVP. I mean, he could sit out the entire month, I think, and still win the MVP. But, uh, you know, the, the, the Angels, I mean, they're kind of a – I mean, Mike Trout's talking about finally, you know, like having the conversation with the Angels now. Uh, you know, Tani's as good as gone. They let these other guys go. It, it, it's really sad times out in Anaheim right now. Yeah, they could go right to the bottom. First of all, I agree with you that Otani has the MVP locked up. I looked 
tonight quickly before we started. And going into tonight, the top 10 in baseball in OPS, there's only two in the American League, just him and Corey Seager, who are number one and two among qualified hitters. And Corey Seager's problem is that he also missed a massive amount of time. Like, even if Otani doesn't play for the rest of the year, he'll still have played more games than Seager. And he pitched. So even if Seager overtook him in OPS, um, you know, like, like he's not going to touch Otani. You're right. Otani could sit out the rest of the year. He gets the AL MVP. I think that might be a prudent move if he has an oblique injury and he's got the elbow and that they've got to sort out for the Angels. Like, this could hit. I think they've got to look at moving Mike Trout. Like if they lose Otani. Yeah. Like why they will. yeah, like they're gonna yeah. So at that point, like what are you hanging on to Mike Trout for at his massive salary? He's 32 years old. Um your your team is gonna be nowhere near a playoff spot unless they go right. and do some some things in the offseason that we don't see coming. Like but if you're coming back with the rotation that they've got right now without Otani or anything like that, the bullpen they've got right now, the rest of the lineup they've got right now, forget it. Get rid of Trout, turn the whole thing over. You're going to have to go deep into the, you're going to have to join the A's right down at the bottom of that division and try to build, rebuild your way out of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and with the farm system, that's not that great to begin with. It's better than it was yeah. at one point, but I mean, this, this, this could be like a super ugly teardown. Absolutely. Yeah. I also think from the Trout perspective, I, I could argue for sure that they kind of maybe owe it to Trout. I mean, they've paid him. So I, I don't agree. Feel, I don't feel too bad for Trout with all that. He's been well paid. But at the same time, like someone who put up, I know this isn't a good year for Trout, but, and I know he's been hurt at times over the last few years. And, but someone who he has a, he still has a career 994 OPS. Like he, he has done a lot of good as a member of the Angels and, you know, basically never gets to play in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think you do him a solid, you shop him around the league, see if you can get a couple of prospects for him from a team that's willing to take on a good amount of his con- remaining contract. And I think teams, I think there are teams that would be looking to do that. Yeah. I, I, I think plenty of teams, especially because yeah. his contract was signed a good amount of time ago that it doesn't even really look that well, it might look bad. Well, but I don't know. It was twenty nine. It was before twenty nineteen. So, and it was a twelve year deal. So, I mean, you're taking him up close to forty. Um, yeah, we'll and it might not. Be, it, it's Go the ahead. aging part that's not going to work out so well. All the injuries. That's the part yeah. that makes it look so bad. So, yeah, I get that there, but nonetheless, yeah, I, you know, you got to think that someone will, uh, will want to have him as, as part of a push. It may not be a great decision, but. It's still probably, I mean, I mean, the Duke, it's still rake. Um, yeah. It just can't do the other things as much as he used to. So uh, that, that, that might be the consideration there, but yeah. Um, I'd, yeah. I'd love to see him in a different uniform. That's for sure. I'm sure a lot of people would want to get him back East. He's from Philly and all that. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's Philly or someone else on the East coast that would do it, but I mean, the angels need to think about doing that to kickstart their thing. He says, by the way, Trout says he wants to play again this year. I did cut him in the Rotowire Staff Keeper League, where we also have like an in-season salary cap. Uh, it gave me some maneuverability, and then I didn't use it by making a trade before the deadline. But that's another story for another day. Um, but that team's actually doing well too. Is the funny thing is, despite spending fifty plus bucks on Mike Trout, it's still contending. So uh, you, you can have a big whiff in your keeper leagues and still contend. You just yep. Have to do well in some of the other parts of your uh, your roster. Help starting with a, a super cheap Spencer Strider is a really good starting point for that. Yeah, 
<laughs> that one offsets it. I, I don't think you'll regret cutting him. Like, even if he does make it back for a few games, um, for him, Trout's not an automatic fantasy star over a short period of time anymore. And mm-hmm. you put him in that lineup, just playing out string. If Otani isn't in and, you know, I, I like, there's no real guarantee if Trout played 10 days or something at the end of the year that you get anything really measurable from him. Yeah. And by the way, this is something I couldn't do under the, uh, the MLB's old rules with roster expansion because they wouldn't put guys on the IL in September. That's right. But now you can only add two or three more players to the roster. So, you know, they do put guys on the IL. Trout went on the IL. And I, I say that because in the Rotowire Staff Keeper League, you can't pick up guys on the IL. They have to be active to be eligible to be picked up in FAB, uh, which, you know, obviously I don't want someone getting a windfall on a cheap Trout. Um, so, I, that's why I felt safe. I could cut him uh, without someone swooping in and bidding on him next week. Now I could even bid on him myself in a, in a couple of weeks, not the week after where I'm a stop from that. So I don't play any salary cap games, but uh, at the same time, he's got to be off the IL. So that's the only reason why I was, I felt like I could go ahead and do that. Uh, know your league rules. Uh, always something, especially, uh, you know, with the headline topic of September uh, strategies and things like that, knowing your league rules on who to cut and, just being able to cut guys that are, you, you know, are going to be out a guy that misses two weeks now is half the remaining regular season. Yeah. I heard when you're talking to Scott Sunday night, say, I think Scott was Scott that said, you know, if, if a guy gets hurt now, he's almost an automatic cut. And I pretty much agree with that. I think it would be like maybe a, if you're in a saves race and a closer went out and they kind of said when he went out, you know, it's just going to be the minimum, something like that. Uh, but mm-hmm. for the most part, if a guy's done now, if a guy goes on the IL now, like I'm cutting him, it would have to be, he'd have to be really right. in an area of need. And, and I'd also just kind of have to have the bench space where I'm like, oh, I don't really need to cut. That's the one thing late in the season is sometimes you can, you're kind of in a situation where you're like, well, I should cut this guy, but there's really nobody I want on waivers. Like I don't really see anyone, even if I look a week ahead, I don't really see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of late to speculate where you're like, oh, I'll just grab a setup man. And maybe his closer gets hurt this week or something. So I can see sometimes hanging on to, to someone just because you don't really have a replacement that you're interested in getting. But for the most part, uh, yeah, I think anyone who goes on the IL from this point forward is a cut. Yeah. Uh, I cut Starling Marte under sim- similar auspices yep. in that league too, after yep. having traded for him. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Shame on me for that. Yeah. So it's funny. I tried to trade for stolen bases and then the, my stolen base guy gets hurt right away and I got zero from him. So I'm just punting that category in that league. Still have a chance. Still have a chance. I, I have made this a miraculous uh, claw, clawing up in saves, at least. So I kind of started the year without any closers in the draft table, and I still have 12 and a half points out of a, a possible 18 in that league. So lots of like weeks where I've had four guys, uh, four, four relievers active, and it hasn't totally killed me yet. But uh, it is kind of lends to one thing for next year, though, uh, that you don't have to nail closers to compete. And in fact, where I, I think I do, I did better in leagues where I didn't spend significant assets on closers, where I tried to claw my way through. Even though saves haven't totally come into the league, in this league we can do some trades, but it just it hasn't been a category. It hasn't been a killer to be down in one category like that. Yeah, and I mean it's not in a standalone league. Like we get 
sometimes a little bit main event centric talking on here, but yep. in, a, in a standalone league, it's not a killer. Like I mentioned earlier that right now I'm tied for the lead in tout wars. I'm also second last in home runs and yeah. in, I'm having a home runs problem in a lot of my leagues this year, but uh, in labor, same thing. I'm in third right now and I either last or second last in home runs. So I didn't want to be last or second last in home runs. That's something I need to address in the off season and figure out how that happened in a handful of my leagues and, you know, where I need to change some weighting in my projections mm-hmm. to, to avoid that. But the, the, t- the bottom line is if your team in a standalone league, your team can have a glaring weakness. And, you know, even in those leagues where I'm last in home runs, I'm still middle of the pack or better in RBI. So you can, you can have one category where you're weak, usually not two, but you can have one category where you're weak and it, it can be saved and it allows you to push some more resources into other areas. It pushes, a little bit more pressure if you're going to i've done the punt saves thing in tout wars and won the league a couple times um it puts more pressure on you to be good in every other area right like you can't yeah. blow or some of those early hitter picks and things like that if you're going to punt saves um but it's it's totally po- and you don't even have to punt saves like you said like just not invest a lot in saves and, right and 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 like you said this wasn't the best year to find saves on the waiver wire but but there were still some, and maybe you could not finish last, you know, yeah. get a three or a four or something. So it's interesting. And I want, uh, this is a topic I wanted to bring up, like the self-inventory, like where are you doing well? Where are you struggling? Um, and last year, I almost uniformly was better in pitching than hitting, like nine out of 11 leagues. Or yeah, that's like that. something like, yep, yeah, that's me this year. Yeah, that's me this year. This year, it's the opposite. This year, I'm doing better in hitting categories <laughs> for the most part, especially in the teams that I'm competitive in. Uh, I, I've, I've gotten some good cheap hitters. I, you know, I talked about that staff keeper league. Um, I've got – oh, it's funny. I punted stolen bases, but 17 at 18 homers, 17 at 18 in RBI, 15 and 14 in runs and average. Um, it, it, it's kind of funny. Like, I've gotten, like, some pretty decent cheap hitters along the way. And gotten the right expense. Like I, I invested in Ozzy Albi, uh, Albies, but like Spencer Steer was like a buck uh, in the auction. And that was, I just knew he was getting playing time and I just needed a dollar player and it worked out pretty well. And I had a couple other guys like that too. Um, and, you know, it's just, you, you know, you look up and down my lineup and I've got a bunch of guys hitting in the one through three spots and not all of them are expensive players. So that worked out pretty well for me, but uh, in other leagues, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny. I got, I got crushed in the pitching and I got the, like, it's funny, uh, the wrong pitchers. I mean, I, I will say this, any league where you have Spencer Strider, you're doing probably, you're probably doing pretty well. Cause even though he doesn't have the best ERA, he's killing the strikeouts for you. Just, just he takes like, he's like one and a half starting pitchers, almost two starting pitchers in terms of how many strikeouts he's bringing to the table. Yeah. And also 16 wins, which <laughs> doesn't yes. hurt either. He yes. might get close to, might get to 20 wins. He got a 105 whip. So he's, he's dominating strikeouts in this environment mm-hmm. where not many pitchers are getting huge strikeout totals. And, uh, and then also could end up leading the majors in wins. If he leads the majors in wins and strikeouts, you know, that's, that's pretty huge. Even with a, even if the ERA is like three and a half, not bad. It's not hurt. It's not hurting you. So uh, right. You know, it's not really helping. It's not hurting. And, and if he's helping you in whip, I was going to ask you when you were saying that you swung from pitching to hitting, um, did you feel like, and we could, you could do a mathematical and like exploration of this. Did you feel that, you know, you said you nailed some cheap hitters, but do you also think that you 
invested a little bit more. Like you coming off last year, where you're like, ah, yeah, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get one more hitter in those first ten rounds or first six rounds or something. Yeah, I think the and I have I do have to kind of do a, di- a deeper dive on that. Like, take a look at uh, you know some of the uh, you know some of the individual leagues and the draft boards. Like the NFPC ones are great because you can always re- go check out the draft boards. They're mm-hmm. always available. And I love yeah. that. Um, and, and to that end, I'm going to check out the uh, TGFBI one because that's one of the ones where I have that big split. I'm 30 more hitting points than pitching points. Um, and in that league, I went J-Rod semi in the start. I was drafting out of the third spot. Class A, C, ugh. Eloy, ugh. Gunnar Henderson. Okay, that's gotten better. Um, Pena, Joe Ryan, Giolito. It's not, I don't have, I don't have the obvious. Yeah. You can see why I'm not doing well in pitching, uh, but <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, it just, it just shows though. It, I, I, I didn't invest in the elite starters. You know, I, I don't have uh, one of those first or second round starting pitchers yeah. and, or a third round starting pitcher for that matter. I went closer. Uh-huh. Um, so Yeah. Oh my God! Spencer Strider went in the third round in that draft, three point nine. And coincidentally enough, the guy that's uh, Bart Perry is winning that league, and he's like seventh overall in yogurt. You know, yeah, getting a, a pick thirty nine, Spencer Strider will do that. Yeah, you know, early drafts for the win, but you know, yeah. why do you why do you draft early? It's so that you you avoid the you know this trendy pitcher inflation that hit, hits later on. This is why you draft early, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you can, the other reason to draft early is if you're confident that you can get ahead of the curve on some of these players that you, that are going to gain helium during spring training, you know, you end up picking them up for a couple round, a round or two discount, right? Like if, if there's yeah. always guys who get helium during spring training and then, and if, and there's always also people sitting back and saying, Hey, I picked up that person two rounds later, four times in January in basketball yeah. drafts or, or, uh, or draft champions leagues. So, um, yeah, that I was interested to see if you, yeah, like you said, well, you, when you just named your team, I've always said, if you miss on your pitchers in the first 10 rounds, like you're probably done. Like, like if you drafted Dylan Cease and Giolito. But I'm in second place in that league. I'm not, okay. that's the well, thing. I guess you're not I'm done. competitive yeah, in your, that league. Your pitching, was, your pitching was done a little bit. Yeah, my hitting, my hitting is hot fire, but it's hot, uh, yeah. I'm not, so my draft was, though, I mean, my guy, I'm looking at his draft versus my draft and he killed me in the draft. I'm, I'm, I don't even know how I'm competitive to be honest. Right. Um, yeah. You must've found some, yeah. Like you said, some late rounders or some waiver wire gems to keep you in it. But yeah, I was interested in whether you, when you, when you saw at the end of last season that the pitching was better than the hitting, if it was, so I thought about this with me because this year, my pitchers pitching has been better than my hitting also in hitting. I'm doing great in steals in most leagues Mm -hmm. and poor in home runs in most leagues. So, you know, my answer, I could have two different answers. One answer could be, I'm going to invest more in hitters this next year. I'm going to take an extra, let's say just take it somewhere in the next first 10 rounds. I can take an extra hitter and one fewer pitchers, whether that's closer Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, But my other, my other angle could be, no, I'm not. I'm going to invest the same amount in pitching and hitting as I did this year. I'm going to get the strong pitching numbers, hopefully again, and I'm going to redistribute how I value my hitters stats when we do our SGPs and all that. And I'm going to hope that a better valuation system for this new climate where steals are more plentiful um, is going to lead to me using the same amount of picks on hitters, but getting better, a better balance in my hitting lineup. So I'm going to have to wrestle with that. 
probably over the first part of the winter. And then obviously I'm going to be changing the amount that me personally, that I weight steals and home runs because it was so like most of my leagues, I'm top three in steals, bottom three in home runs. So I've got to switch right. that, but it's whether well, I, especially because uh, home runs contribute in four categories, right? Whereas a stolen base contributes in one and a half. Um, home sure. run I'll... counts in batting average. Yeah. The hit counts obviously in home runs directly, but it counts as a run and it counts as at least one RBI every time too. Whereas a stolen base is a stolen base is a stolen base. And maybe you'll get, it leads to more runs, but you'll notice the stolen base leaders don't always equal the runs leaders. I mean, not every, you know, it usually means that they're doing something. Even if it does, it's like, it's Ronald Acuna who does everything, you know? So it, it, it's, I, I've noticed that, you know, that we probably, you know, it's chasing, chasing steals is like chasing saves. Um, it's good to have them. And, when there's more of them, you need more of them. But at the same time, it, it doesn't help too many other things. Yeah. Now, I always felt like I like I've heard the argument that you mentioned with the, you know, a home run also contributes in RBIs, batting average, et cetera, and run scored. That being said, like when we're do if you're doing SGPs, you're also obviously weighting runs and RBIs, you know, when you're projecting the guys. Right. You know, exactly. When you project Pete Alonzo and the 45 home runs, you're also projecting him for 110 RBIs and he's getting valuation for that and 100 runs right. or 90 runs or something and he's getting valuation for that um i've also noticed like over the years and I, this is something i want to pay a little more attention to and it is kind of the foundation of that sgp system and sometimes i think i don't give enough weight because we talk about how many home runs you need and that's a very main event thing i think to talk about how many home runs you need to be competitive mm-hmm. and we talk about how many steals you need to be competitive and in the main event we're I would assume through the standings of several hundred managers, the distribution's pretty linear. Um, that all makes sense. In a in a mono league, I've always found that the the gap between in the steals can standings is wider than the gap between the home runs. I find the home runs category, same with runs and RBIs, to be more tightly bunched. More compact, um, for sure. Yes, yeah. because just everybody's grinding out RVIs and runs, and right. and home runs, same thing. Like like they're, they're like in baseball, like even with more steals this year. Like there's there's some guys with 40 home runs, but there's there's a bunch with 30, and then there's a lot in the 20s. And you know, steals. I just find it always tends to spread out a little more now. Now this, it's a little better now because we've got all these guys with 25 steals right now and 20 steals. But at the same time, like I just find there's like, it's like with me and labor there, I've got Acuna. And then I've also got a few other guys who chipped in some steals and like, I'm way out front in steals. And I find then there's like someone chasing me and, you know, that person chasing me, he's like 13 steals ahead of the next guy. And then the next guy's like nine steals ahead of the next guy. Like when I go down the steals standings and I looked at this as we got close to the trade deadline in labor, I can't find more than a couple teams where I could confidently say to them, if I give you a base stealer, maybe not a Cunha, but a base stealer, um, you can gain like three or four points in steals. I can't really find teams that can do that. Conversely, in home runs, you know, I I feel like I can I can more see, you know, there's someone with 220, and then there's three other teams within 10 of them. There's someone with 242. There's like three teams within 11 of them. So mm-hmm. steals, I don't see that, and that I find that is a constant in a lot of my leagues where. I, you either have the base stealers or you don't. 
And right. like I said, it's not as bad as I think as it was pr- previous to this year, but that's something I need to factor in too, is that, you know, now I'm blowing everybody out in steals. Well, now what? Especially if it's an NFBC league, because now I can't even trade them. Yeah, that's right. So that's right. the home run category I find tends to be very competitive. And same with, like I said, like the RBI, the run score category, they tend to be, I, I find everybody's grinding them out more yeah. so than the steals. I also find every year, like when I, and I did, I, especially when I do it, I feel like I do a good job with SGPs. I always come up light in stolen bases, even with doing like, I feel like getting, putting in good inputs. Mm-hmm. My output is I'm still light on stolen bases. And I think maybe even like my valuations might be light on bags, but maybe that's a feature, not a bug. I guess that's what I'm kind of driving at a little bit. Yeah. I feel like it's okay. Like it, 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 I avoid the Billy Hamilton's of the world. I'm just not going to get them because my system just doesn't value them. And guess what? That's okay. It hasn't, it hasn't hurt me. Yeah, if, and if I'm going to keep piling on not getting too into steals in your draft, I also would mention that um, when you look at the steals, so I have found it this year hard to find, and I, Jeff Zimmerman put out a couple tweets about this maybe a month ago or something, and I, I never fully dove into it, but I know I feel like I know where he was going with all this. Um, okay. I, anecdotally, I find it easier to find steals on waivers this year now that there are more steals than home runs now for example i look at the steals leaderboard uh cj abrams was on waivers in some leagues uh at various points this year he's now fifth in the majors in steals willie castro's 10th in the majors in steals he is he was on waivers in a lot of leagues at times and Uh, and just recently for that matter too because he got hurt and all that yeah jake mccarthy is top 15 he was on waivers at times started really slow uh Jose Caballero, I did not see that one coming from the Mariners. Nope. Is his twenty-five steals? He's top twenty. He got on that horse, yeah. Yeah, Jaron Duran was picked up off waivers when he came up. He's got twenty-four steals. T.J. Friedel was a pretty late pick. He's got twenty-four steals. And there's other guys. Mm-hmm. Bryson Stott was kind of just a blah mid-round pick. He's got twenty-six. Josh Josh Lowe from Tampa's got twenty-eight. Um, he was a waivers guy at the very beginning of the year or a late round guy, depending on maybe the size of your league. But so there's just a lot of, that's a lot of base dealers, not all of them, but it's a lot from the top, top 25, top 30. And then if you do the same dive in home runs, you're not finding as much. Marcelo Zuna is way up there. He's got 33 home runs. He was a late round or even waiver wire guy, Jake Berger. Uh, but there's not a lot else in that list. Isaac Perez, 27. But there's not a lot. Everybody else in that list is an established, like you had to pay up on draft day type person. So yeah. in uh, in labor this year, I, I've noticed it, especially in our labor league, which is just kind of indicative. It's a 15-team league, so it's kind of comparable to a lot of NFBC leagues. Um, it's a little deeper because it has the IL slots, but yeah. um, my outfield in that league stinks. It stunk all year and I needed power. <laughs> so I was on like a three month, maybe even four month, you know, uh, binge to try to just find power hitting outfielders, which you think you would be able to come up with. And every week I would search by outfielders, home runs in the last seven days, home runs in the last 14 days, home runs in the last three days. There is nothing like you're finding a guy with two home runs in the last 14 days at the top of the list. And then when you look at his profile, you're like, ah, oh, that feels like kind of a fluke. Like, like it was hard. Like I said, I, and I did, I did miss Kerry Carpenter in that I had him and dropped him and, and then lost yeah. him. But in general, 
I just named a lot of base dealers where if I was low on steals and labor, I could have, if I really just countered the waiver wire and just said, you know, I'm going to pick up every week. I'm going to try to pick up the guy who stole the most bases last week without paying a lot for him. But I'm just going to try to keep, keep plugging away and see, I could have got some of those players, but the home runs, I, I think it's easier right now to find steals on waivers over a season than it is home runs. Uh, I agree. That's another point to don't invest too much in steals on drafting. So uh, to, to buttress your point and to pile on a little bit more, our earned auction value t- our tool, you can like tie it into your league, right? Mm-hmm. So I did the, uh, there's the first pitch Arizona. There's a league of uh, comprised of speakers from first pitch Arizona. Um, and there's only one 21, 20 home run hitter that was not drafted in this. Now keep in mind, this is it. You know, there's no free agents yeah. in this. It's all just, it's draft and hold. Brent Rooker, that's it. And wow. And, and and to the and for a valuation standpoint, he also happens to be the least valuable of the 21, 20 home run hitters. He's worth he was worth nine so far this year. You have to scroll a lot even farther down to find a guy that's a negative value guy in Joey Gallo. Okay, actually he's at twenty one homers. I take that back. But you know he's way down on the list. You know whereas you go Jake McCarthy, he's a top fifteen stolen base guy and he's a negative value guy. Um, and a lot of single digit value guys in those those top twenty also. You just don't see that among the top like 50 home run hitters. Um, it's just because the home run such such, there's all sorts of other loot that comes with the home run. Um, you, even you know, like Max Muncy, he's hitting 206, but because he's got 91 RBI and 98 runs to go along with that there, uh, or excuse me, 76 runs. That's worth that. I was looking at another line, kind of transposed the two, but he's still worth 20 bucks this year. And according to earned auction value too. So, I mean, that just kind of tells you like, okay, doing the right thing by devaluing the stolen base. And even this year, I mean, maybe even because it's, there's more plentiful this year, it's even more beneficial to kind of fade the stolen base only guys. Yeah, I think, I think that's it. And there, there are far more, I just took a look, there are far more players about double the amount of players with 20 home runs and 20 steals. And you're telling Mm -hmm. me, you know, that almost all of the 20 homer players were drafted in that league. And then there's lots of 20 steel players we already named that would have gone undrafted in that league. So, um, and tie in your draft strategy to your, what you expect to be a waiver wire plan. I mean, it doesn't always work out the way expected, but that's always part of it. That's like going back to the saves. Mm -hmm. That's all part of it is, you know, how much you spend on saves in your draft is related to your confidence or lack of confidence that you can get saves on the waiver wire. So um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's how I feel with the steals this year. I did have one team. It's interesting. I had one team that just went in a totally different direction uh, for me and it ended up being my better best hitting team. And I ended up with Freddie Freeman and Pete Alonso with my first two picks. It was the one team this year where I picked late in the first round. Um, Mm -hmm. I found all those early picks. If you didn't get judge, they all lent themselves to uh, getting steals. Like you took Acuna, you took Trey Turner, you took Jose Julio. Ramirez, right? And and it was all about getting a, a balanced contributor or a prime primarily steals guy. Um, it was the one draft where I ended up being forced to pick late, where the, you know those guys were all gone, and then I took Freeman and Alonzo, and that was a way better start for me offensively because it locked in some power and some counting stats. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Very cool. All right. Um, Got other topics, but we got to take care of some business here first. First, we're on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, have been all season long, last couple of seasons, in fact. We love the Blue Wire Network so much, we're going to play their ads right now. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, thanks to Blue Wire. Also, real quick, you know, weather is a big issue still in games. I'm in Kansas right now, and they're in a big heat wave, believe it or not. We know the weather can impact how, how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat, humidity, or cold air is really doing to the ball. Ask Texas if what it's doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10. One being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable error. There's a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index, 10, for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game, so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get access to the HRF premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. Big thanks to the Home Run Forecast uh, for sponsoring us as always. All right, Fred. Um, so I actually really like that topic, by the way. 
Um, yeah, I think a good, it's a good step back, look at some things this season for sure. And kind of a step ahead, which is kind of what I need mm-hmm. to do for some yeah. of my leagues, especially in the NFBC. Uh, I have other leagues that are doing all right, but uh, that, that the universe, I, I'm ready to be, be moving on. <laughs> um, Justin Steele. You know, Scott and I didn't even really mention him too much in our Cy Young discussion the other day, but eight shutout innings the other day against the Giants. Uh, he, he's got he he's in the conversation. We spent a lot of time on you know Snell and and Strider, but Justin Steele's right there. Yeah, it's funny. I put that in our notes for tonight, and then about a half an hour after that, uh, Vlad Sedler pushed out a comment in you know in the same direction that if the Cubs win the win the division. And or, or either way, they make playoffs and Steele has a strong finish this year. All I, I was looking at him and I thought, you know what? I, I like to look at the awards things. I don't get too wrapped up in them, but I think it's kind of fun. Yeah. Because it means a yeah, lot exactly. to the players. Like, you know, I know some people say, oh, awards are pointless, like blah, blah, blah. But like, if you're Justin Steele and you can win a Cy Young Award, like that's a lifetime highlight. Holy smokes. You know? Um, so I do like looking at it a little bit. And I thought, at first I looked, I thought maybe Blake Snell could win. Um, the Cy Young in the National League, which he could. He's leading the majors in the ERA right now. Like, there's a few starts to go. It's possible. But then I really clocked in on Justin Steele because I have him on my Toutwares team, so I've been kind of following him more. I think he was yeah. probably my best my best pick. I don't forget when I took him, but it would have been in and around my ground 25 to 30. Um, you know, so 16 and 3 with a 255 ERA, a 114 whip, um, a huge reason that the Cubs, I think, will make the playoffs this year. Uh, which is a bit unexpected. So yeah, I I thought, how high could this guy go in fantasy drafts next year? I I don't think he goes in ace territory, but I think he goes in number two. Ter- like let's just say he just finishes this out. Like say let's say his ratios remain unchanged for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I I think he goes in number two starter territory. I don't know if he goes in ace territory. But could he? Like in the top fifteen pitchers? I don't know why. I don't see why not. The strikeout because um... the strikeout total is not that high. I guess, yeah. To, I guess that's probably why not. That would be my why not is if he finishes the season with like 175 strikeouts. I just don't know if you can get into ace territory with like one awesome year that had 175 strikeouts. I think I just feel like you know the obviously Strider and Garrett Cole and Corbin Burns and that, but then maybe some and Gosman. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe Zach so- Gallon goes ahead of him. Just have a so lot to your point, you yeah. know, Tell Wars just did a breakdown. Uh, it, well, you know, That's our right. friend Rob DiPietro did the first, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, did the way too early 2024 draft. I think it's a, I think it's a mock, but I, I don't think it's, uh, they're playing it out. But Justin Steele went to Jenny Butler at 7.3 in that one. After, well, Julio Urias, I mean, eh, forget about him. But uh, Justin Verlander went before him. Joe Ryan went before him. Uh, Jenny herself took Logan Gilbert before, uh, before him in the fifth round. Um, so you can see there, you know, there, these are all guys that are going to get more, you know, are, are likely to get more strikeouts. So, I mean, there is that, but I just think it's kind of interesting to see, like, he's probably, you know, he, I bet you if they did this exercise today, he'd go at least another round sooner, maybe, maybe even more. And I think, you know, it's funny the way pitchers were handled in this draft. We only saw two starting pitchers in the first round. I know Tani's got a yellow sticker, but he's not going to pitch. We know that. Uh, only two more starting pitchers in the second round. The starting pitcher run began in earnest in the third round. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we we know that w- that's going to move up. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> like we just know yeah. that like that's going to move up. I understand rate. So there's two ways to think about it. If when you're doing this pretend draft is if I'm thinking about it as we're thinking about next year, I'm drafting a team that I have to actually use next year. I'm going to be very tentative on pitchers because they could actually get hurt right now and have an impact next year. We might've seen that with Phyllis Batista. Who knows where that all goes from here, but it's highly unlikely that a hitter who gets hurt now, it actually impacts his ability to be available. It's it's possible, but it's not as likely. So, um, but if we were to treat this like, like it's March and everybody's healthy that we're drafting. Yeah. I think the pitchers will go higher. Like when I see Corbin Burns in round three, I don't think he makes it to round three by the middle of March next year. Um, but yeah, trying to figure out, you know, beyond Strider, Cole, Gosman, Castillo, Burns, Wheeler, maybe Wheeler, maybe Gallon. I don't know. Maybe all of those pitchers go in the top 40 picks, 35 picks, but then it, then I saw, I see George Kirby in there, Freddie Peralta. I think Steele can get ahead of those pitchers. Yeah. With a strong finish. Uh, Brandon yeah, Woodruff so. was in there. Brandon Woodruff has been really well since he's been back. He had a great start. Today. Yeah, he has. Um, I think people want to be back away from the season. And if Woodruff's healthy next spring, like he goes in the first three rounds. Maybe. I mean, the way he, well, yeah. he, he was close. He was already in the fourth. Uh, and Freddie Peralta, for that matter, too, was, uh, yeah. which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I, I mean, it's really early and it's just one draft. But yeah, I, I like you said, I think, I think Steele could go would, even if they did it today would go a couple rounds earlier just coming off the start he just had but uh, if he could mm-hmm. if he finishes the season strong i think he goes in maybe about round four or something as like a high end a high end number two yeah cole yeah. reagan's didn't go in this draft uh but he might <laughs> if we did this draft again today after another dominant performance yesterday yeah. throwing so hard i it's so rare to see a guy who prior to the trade had kind of a, you know, kind of a middling profile. Like I wasn't on him at all. And the Rangers, I mean, they're trading four starting pitchers and they had, they had Reagan's right there. I mean, that, it's wild. But you know and what? You look City, at his numbers. Which, and Kansas City, which does such an abysmal job with starting right. pitchers. I don't, gets I, this I guy, don't understand it just, this turns them into gold. Like if Tampa did this, if Cleveland did this, if Milwaukee did this, we would just be like, Oh, well, sure. You know, all those franchises. Of, of course, if the yeah. Dodgers, if the Dodgers did this, right. But, but it, Kansas city. Well, and it's not just that they, he, it's the degree of improvement too. Yeah. With Texas, 592, 140, 24 to 14 K to walk in 24 innings. So he's getting some strikeouts, but with Kansas city in eight starts, 47 innings, 63 to 11 K to walk 151 ERA 0.97 whip is it Kansas city? I, I don't understand. Help me understand this. What do they do? I am. I, I believe that next draft season, if he finishes the season strong, I think that he will be on zero of my teams next year. I just, I don't know. Maybe this is too You're doubting Fred. I think I just, I'm not ready to believe that Kansas city can take a guy. I'm not saying a guy off the scrap heap. Like this isn't like a 33 year old or even a 30 year old, like, but I'm not, I'm not willing to say, I think based on even a couple of months of action that Kansas city can take a guy and make him this much better and have him sustain it next year for the whole year, which means both pitching well and staying healthy. 
So mm-hmm. I, I'm skeptical. And then also there's obviously like, what is his ability to win games on the Royals next year? If they continue to look as crummy as they look right now, but I won't, really, I won't even get into that because if he pitches this well, he's going to win games, no matter what team. Dude, he it's for. comical. Like his last three yeah. starts, 27 to one K to walk in 19 yeah. innings. It just, he's averaging it's eight strikeouts. with the Royals. He's averaging eight strikeouts per start, right? Like is that's he a, just, healthier what i mean they you know well, like you said how like going to go down as one of those all-time terrible trades i mean it's i feel like it's too early to say that but like you said like last year he threw 40 innings of relief with a 92 mile an hour fastball this year it's 96.4 as a like starter yeah and you know and it's cutter, it cutters up and and everything's up, change ups, everything's up. So like I said, it, it, I don't know, this may be a bad way to look at it, but if this guy was on the Rays or the Dodgers, I'd dive right in and be like, yep, for sure. I'm taking or this guy. I'll take my chances. Or, yeah. But on the Royals, it, the, it's just, the, we're at the exact opposite poles of my faith in teams to develop and maintain pitchers. It, it's not sure. even these, uh, like he's, if he's just on the Blue Jays, and I don't think of the Blue Jays as an amazing team at developing pitchers. And I don't think of them as terrible. They're just somewhere in right. the middle. If he's even on exactly. them, but the Royals, I just, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. If somebody wants to draft him as their number two next year, I, I think they can have him. So, yeah. and I do get that he's a swing for the fences type guy, maybe in a bigger contest. So maybe that's it is that I'm not a huge, big contest guy. I'm more of a win your league kind of guy. And maybe in a bigger contest. Yeah. You maybe just take a swing at Reagan's next year. Cause you're like, Hey, if this guy turns out, it's, 240 strikeouts and and great ratios so i get that i get like mm-hmm. if you're in yogurt main event maybe you just take some swings at them i don't know i just am not ready to believe that the royals have figured out how to help pitchers in a, I can't believe they helped them this much but i don't i don't know if they can sustain it yeah hey if you guys have done a deep dive on cole reagan's and you know why he's better with the royals <laughs> tweet at us uh yeah. at jeff underscore erickson at fred zinke mlb other than the velocity, the, the surface of he's yeah, like you said, you said earlier, he's throwing harder. Yeah, just it's just extraordinary to me. So, all right, I think that is a good happy note to finish on. Um, because I got a draft coming up and it's late, and you know, hey, you know, we got we got stuff to do, but we'll we'll be back at it again next week. Uh, there'll be no drafts next week, so we can focus better. Who knows? Uh, and all that, and I'll be back home. Uh, but thanks everybody for tuning in, and uh, especially those of you is uh, most of you are tuning in uh, after the fact. We're no longer on YouTube for baseball now, so just a heads up on that. But uh, thanks everybody for listening to the RotoWire podcast. We got James tomorrow. Uh, I'll have a guest to be named later on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Take care. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible visit your local kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner kia movement that inspires call 800-333-4kia for details always drive safely limited inventory available warranties include 10-year 100,000 mile powertrain and 5-year 60,000 mile basic warranties are limited see retailer for details